Blog Talk Radio.
this very special broadcast of True Life Fridays Radio. And that was just the encore of the song. I played that song because with our guest, you'll hear as she shares part of her story when she calls in. It is one that signifies rising out of adversity and many of many other obstacles that she's faced. Now, I am going to turn it over to our regular host. Hi, Letitia. Hey, Thomas. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Great. Good morning. Loud yes, clear. we have an awesome interview coming up. Have you introduced our guest and talked a little bit about her yet? Not yet. I was waiting until she calls in. Okay, super. But hopefully Blog Talk Radio is enacting is enacting a tale today because we our interview is going to be uh immediately after 11 Eastern time because she's out in D.C. area. So, so Letitia, what's been going on in the world of the pro-life issues? Wow. Well, we've, you know, every week so much happens and only uh, we can pick out so much to talk about. Uh, but we have had a couple of interesting things that I wanted to talk about probably on Friday. Uh, one of them is the, the Oklahoma uh, legislative Act, and then also the Kansas um, and the Colorado bills. Now let's start with the last one first, just to comment very quickly on what's happened. Um, and of course, we're going to talk about this more at length on Friday. In Colorado, they rejected a a bill. They rejected. Let me let me try to bring that up. They in Colorado, they rejected a pro life bill that I think uh, let's see here we go a Colorado bill would declare the fundamental right to abortion it would prevent any pro-life legislation now um, SB 175 Colorado SB 175 says to pro-life advocates need to to um, oppose this because declaring a fundamental right to abortion means that abortion would be legal for all nine months of pregnancy. There would be no restrictions as far as age would be concerned. Um, It's touted as a Reproductive Health Freedom Act and which is because this is this is how they typically operate, how pro-choice legislators and pro-abortion legislators legislators typically label things. They never label things on the freedoms they take away from people. They label things um, as what they're going to give the people what the most that's supposed to be benefiting from this the most, without any regard to what the the consequences. It's sort of like how Obamacare was built is is was labeled. The official title is the um, Affordable Care Act, which I like to call the Unaffordable Lack of Care and Patient Victimization Act because it actually does the opposite of what it says. So this, the Health Reproductive Health Freedom Act, does the opposite of what it claims. It enables people to women to get abortions regardless of age circumstances. So what it really does is that it eliminates, it could eliminate, if passed, it could eliminate a broad range of laws, including parental notification laws, parental involvement laws, laws promoting maternal health, government programs and facilities that pay or promote childbirth and other health care without subsidizing abortion. It eliminates, um, potentially eliminates conscience protecting, protecting laws. Uh, laws requiring that abortion only performed by a licensed physician, 
So, you know, case in point, like in California, they passed a, a bill that says that some nurses can now perform abortions. You don't have to be a licensed physician. So this would apply here in Colorado, potentially. Laws regulating health, school health clinics, laws concerning abstinence education, and laws affecting pregnancy centers, and so on. Uh, so these, these, this, um, this law would open up and negate a lot of the laws that have already been passed in many other states, if it were to apply, you know, generally in, in any state, there are a number of pro-life laws that are existing on the books, and a, a reproductive health quote-unquote freedom act would negate a lot of those existing bills um, potentially, potentially. So, um, moving on, um, the other, and then, and then there's the worst case scenario, which happened in New York. New York State has now approved of a law that uh, bans, wait, no, no, no. It approves of abortion outright for all nine months. Yeah, that's yeah, great. So, and, and that's essentially what's going to happen here in Colorado. Um, New York State has declared that abortion should be legal through all nine months. This is actually in keeping very well and very timely with what Debbie Wasserman Schultz had said, that she would prefer and she thinks abortion should be legal throughout all nine months of pregnancy. Uh, that's exactly what she inferred when the microphone, when she was actually called to account for the very first time in her life after Senator Rand Paul threw the ball in her court saying, hey, media, why don't you ask the chair of the DNC, her opinion on how, what kind of restrictions she would like on abortion. Stop asking me, the Republican, the pro-life Republican, these questions. Start asking the Democrats these questions. And she, you know, she stepped up to the plate and said what she honestly believes. I have to give her credit for that. Of course, her belief is awful. But I have to give her credit for biting the bullet and actually coming, coming out right out and saying it. Um, so New York State has passed a pro-abortion bill. Colorado is considering doing the same. However, uh, I believe it was Kansas. And do I have that correct? Am I lost? <laughs> I think our host no. for today. No, oh, you. I, you're not lost. Uh, All right. I was muted. So. Okay. But, so in but, yeah. in Kansas, Kansas law dismiss uh, a ban bans sorry passed a bill banning dismemberment abortion. Now, um, if for those who are unaware, abortion can be accomplished several ways. Uh, depending on the size of the unborn baby and and considering uh, what the technique the abortionist decides to use to remove the baby from the uterus. Now, the law was signed by Sam Brownback, Governor Sam Brownback, and it describes it what it describes as a dismemberment abortion which is knowingly dismembering a living unborn child and extracting such unborn child one piece of at a time from the uterus. And while I I do approve of such a law being passed, it's a good thing that they had the balls to pass such a law. However, there are some there are some um considerations it, for me, this law is great, but it is not good enough. Um, I would rather have it than not have it, but the drawbacks of this law are worth mentioning. First of all, um, it doesn't mention that it has an exception clause, just like most abortion laws, uh, pro-life laws on the books. There is, a, there is an exception your usual exception for the rape conceived 
and uh, for those who are conceived out of out of incest. Right. And so I wish that we're not there. I wish that exception were not there. The second thing that I wish um, about this law is that it is limited only to this membermint of a living fetus. It does not ban abortions. It does not ban this technique if the child were to die in any other way. So now the abortionists have to figure out, and they do this. This is not difficult. They have to use a different technique to kill the child in the womb. And then they can remove the fetus from the uterus via dismemberment. So this law um, bans one technique only on the consideration that the child is still living. There right. are several ways there are several ways that abortion can be accomplished. This is just one way and it is easily navigated around by abortionists. So, while I would rather have this law passed because what it does it starts to tighten the noose around the abortion industry, it's not as tight as it could be and it's not as tight as it should be. Right. Um that is my that is my criticism of the law. But am I glad they passed such a law? Yes, I am. I'm glad it exists rather than not exist. But it doesn't go far enough. Um, And then the last one, I believe Oklahoma. Nope, that was back in November. Let me think. Um... I think uh, now you're going to have to help me out here because I just read this really quick and then I got confused with all the states that are going on. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, this was back in okay, so this is this is back in November. Oklahoma Supreme Court uh has put has put a new abortion law on hold. Uh, the Oklahoma Supreme Court halted the implementation of a new abortion of new abortion restrictions that supporters are said are aimed at protecting women's health, and critics said are really measures designed to shutter clinics. Well, I don't have a problem with that, but let's take a look at what it was supposed to do. Um, it requires physicians who purport, perform abortions to have admitting privileges at an adequately equipped hospital within 30 miles right. of where the abortion is performed. And and that's pretty much it. Now, Texas had passed a similar law, and overnight, something on the order of 27 abortion clinics were shut down. I consider that a win. If If we are not going to be able to overturn Roe v. Wade overnight, I will support a measure that will shut down abortion clinics overnight. If we don't do it method A, we can do it method B. Now, in Oklahoma, the Supreme Court has just uh, suspended implementation of that law, so I think they're still, and so I think the the news this week was about how they're going to, the state legislatures were going to navigate around the Supreme Court decisions and see what modifications they can make to the law and see if they can get it uh, implemented. So um, we have a lot of things happening in and around the United States of people really trying to battle back and forth. What is missing still? What is missing still? We have legislatures arguing about this. What is missing still? is the public dialogue about abortion. Get on my soapbox for the next three hours about how the public has been deprived of their right to have this discussion and I can and talk about how those that want to avoid this situation and vo- avoid talking about it has, have been successful in shutting down dialogue. Right. And 
how this discussion has been moved just to a uh, the court system and the legislatures, which politicians and judges themselves have, especially if you're pro-abortion, have claimed they don't want to talk about. So we have a situation here in the United States where those who want to talk about it are being shut down by those who don't want to talk about it. In a free country, why can't we talk about it? In public, why can we not have that public debate? Right. I have personally experienced the reluctance and those with a little bit of the ability to shut that conversation down do so. And I'm not talking about politicians. I'm not talking about law enforcement. I am not talking about um, anybody who has the influence in our society to to put that to to bring that discussion to fruition. I am talking about your everyday average people in our houses of worship. Yes, church, I'm talking to you. Yes, pastors, I'm talking to you. Places where moral social issues ought to be vigorously debated, talked about, discussed, lived in, etc. That discussion is shut down because, oh, for a variety of reasons. A variety of reasons, chief of which is they do not, people do not want to be controversial. Now, I have an especial criticism of my personal church environment because my church environment, the leaders in my church, go to great lengths to say how much they're going to tackle tough issues. I go to a church where the men say, we are men's men, we grow beards. We tackle the, tackle the tough subjects. We're not afraid. We're going to do life together in the hard situations, doing the, the stuff that people, getting messy, doing the stuff that people do not want to talk about and do and, and get involved in in the neighborhood, in the community. Lots to talk about that. We're going to get our hands dirty in the community. We're going to be so tough. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. Things that never get talked about, we're going to talk about. When it comes to things like abortion, oh no. Let the crickets, crick, uh, let the crickets come out a little louder. I have never seen people run from a topic so fast, just like a scalded dog. Run from abortion. So much for toughness. So much for doing life together. When abortion here in St. Louis is hundreds per day, thousands per year, contributing to the millions that are being killed every year in the United States, how can you run from that? Right. How can you run from a situation? Go ahead, Thomas. No, I said you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Now, for those who say, I don't want to talk about it, I won't talk about anything, fine. You're not being hypocritical. <laughs> but for those leaders and spiritual, the spiritual example makers, those who want to be role models for our society and for, our, our, for the faithful, Actively telling people to be like me because I'm doing what what the hard things are in life that need to be done. I'm trying to build family. I'm trying to deal with abuse. I'm trying to deal with drug addiction. I'm trying to deal with every hard issue, poverty, uh, disease, low education, everything. I'm trying to deal with these hard issues. I'm trying to deal with divorce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you won't deal with this when it is absolutely, abortion is tearing the very soul out of young women. And if you believe, like me, that the family is made up of 50% 
the wife or a woman, 50% a man. If you have serious, serious needs the woman has, her relationships for the rest of her life will be compromised. And if we don't step up to help our women, there is no future for healthy marriages. I could say the same thing for men who watch porn. There is no future for healthy marriages in a land where the men are looking at naked women that are not their wives. Right. There is a domino effect in our in the in the human psyche. If you don't cover your fundamentals and build a strong foundation in your life, Anything that's built on top of that will be unstable. Women need to go and deal with past abortion. They need help. They need counseling. They need a family. They do not need to be ignored and and told that they didn't do anything wrong. Just go ahead and live the rest of your life as if nothing bad happened. Right. It starts. Do you do you Thomas? Do you understand what pastors are telling their women who are post-abortive? And our guest will certainly be able to tell us what pastors are telling their post-abortive women in their church. They're telling them that they did the right thing. They're telling them to essentially get over it. They're telling them that they did the right thing and they need to uh, start living as if they did the right thing. Well, the human heart and the human mind cannot live with a contradiction for very long without breaking down. We cannot, on the one hand, tell the public that life is precious, that black lives matter, that any life matters, and then turn around and tell a woman who's post-abortive, that she did the right thing by killing her child. Because her heart and her mind will plague her day in and day out, contradicting that every day for the rest of her life, and don't think that doesn't bleed out into the rest of her relationships. It will. And so when people talk about abortion... And they relegate it to the realm of law and the realm of politicians and the realm of courts and court cases. Not doing anybody any favors because it's the women themselves that are walking into abortion clinics having bought the lie that abortion is going to help them when it's actually going to do the opposite. We're telling women that abortion will solve their problems when it's actually why don't you take this poison It'll get rid of your immediate issue that you have, but it will give you a long-term ailment for the rest of your life. A woman is not designed to hang on to guilt and to death for this time. Women are the givers of life. We give birth to the next generation. We should not be asked to be okay with the taking of life. Our own. Our own children. Because something breaks in the psyche of a woman who commits an abortion. And especially if it's... Let me back up and talk about... Just say something real quick about the the women we've had on our show before um, who have helped, who have worked in abortion clinics and helped other women uh, get abortions. You can do tens of thousands of these in the course of of the years, in the course of an abortion career. 
And it won't phase you day in, day out. And you won't remember all the abortions that you helped procure for these women. But you're always going to remember your own. And that is the one thing that I remember from the interviews that we've had with previous women on the show. That they don't forget the abortion or abortions that they themselves have had. Right. Right, you are, and, and that is the, and that still is the source. You can cover it up by saying, you know, I work in the abortion industry. You know, I saw this death day in day out and didn't phase me, and for years and years, and they may still never remember, even after they've left the industry. But they will never forget their own abortion and how that was the tipping point for them launching a career doing that for others. and helping a whole sea of women experience the kind of loss and pain that they actually feel and have suppressed. And so I cannot reconcile this idea that it's best for a woman if she gets an abortion for any circumstance. I can't understand this phrase that some people use, women have to do what's best for them. What's best for them is never to take the poison pill. Right. I I do not know how people at all rationalize how abortion is a solution that works in any way, shape, or form. First of all, I read and I read another story about a a, a woman in the UK. And I'm just doing this on memory because I just remembered off the fly that I read. She had to get three abortions to kill the same child because their first two abortions failed. And she decided she absolutely could not be persuaded not to have this child. Now, at some point in time, even, even your most ardent abortion supporter here in the United States gets a little uncomfortable because the mother wasn't uncomfortable. By the time she got to the the realizing that she needed a third abortion procedure, the baby was four months along. And she, the huge part of her didn't want to do it. Because she said it was really different now that the baby is bigger and older from when the baby was about four weeks old, four to eight weeks old, much much more different. But why? Even your most ardent abortion supporter here in the United States starts getting hesitant when the baby is older and bigger. So the pro so so she had so unfortunately this did not end well for the baby and she had an abortion and you can tell all the requisite excuses for that But let me tell you that woman is never going to be the same she thought she got what she wanted and even the article told had had a tell She had said, this is going to be difficult for her. She's going to have to live with her decision. Not once, not twice, but three times. It's going to be so much harder for her to heal from this. But I do hope that she gets the healing. So, Thomas, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Okay. And I believe Um, we have guests on the line. Yes, we do. Before we bring Star on, let me let me share a little bit about this woman. Um, at the beginning of the show, I played the song um, Still I Rise by Yolanda Adams because it's so it's so 
that song really exemplifies Star's testimony, where she came from to where she's at. And when you hear her speak, she speaks with passion, sincerity, and genuineness because she's care. She cares. Times, we have a lot of people in a grassroots activism who jump on board maybe because it's the trendy thing to do. Star has been there, done that. So she speaks with experience. So True Life Fridays Radio, we are honored and privileged to have Star Parker, founder and president of Urban Cure, joining us today. Star, how are you today? I'm doing very well, and what a humbling uh, introduction. Thanks for having me with you, and sorry for the phone troubles to try to get in. Well, we apologize. I, uh, I, I so that. appreciate what you said, uh, even about um, that this is not academic for me. Um, you know, we are talking about life and death. We're talking about good versus evil, and, and, and we're talking about the Lord. And, um, you know, as you know my story, uh, listening to the lie of the left, just believing that my problems were someone else's fault, that, that the poor were poor because the wealthy are wealthy, that America was so inherently racist that I was not even going to have a fighting chance. And in listening to those lies year in and year out, I got distracted and um, ended up um, very reckless in criminal activity and drug activity and sexual activity. And I was listening mm-hmm. to the story before I came on about the women that did, got caught up in have an abortion. I'd been there, done that. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until after the fourth time that I went into one of their so-called safe, legal, rare clinics that I had a gut instinct way down deep inside that just has to be something wrong with killing your offspring. I know the feminists say that there's not. I know that everybody that represents the left says that there's not. And I'm so glad that people like Grandpa are saying, well, let's, let's, let's discuss that seven-pound baby still in the womb. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I believed all of that. And then uh, still pregnant again and not married, uh, had the child and ended up on welfare. Seven years in and out, three and a half years consistently watching my life go into a little dark hole. That's where God mm. found me. Yeah, that's where he saw me. And I'm telling you, this is not academic. You're absolutely right. This is not about talking head. This is not about political activism. This is not about um, uh, scoring, uh, you know, red team versus blue team. This is about people's lives. Right. And um, and so I really appreciate uh Thomas, you introducing me that way, and I just wanted to say why. Well, and Star, that is so on point because I, long time before I even met you in Washington, I observed and I watched, watched your life, read and saw your testimony, and I was like, who, who is this? You know, and it, <laughs> and it so amazed me because I'm like. I didn't know I didn't know other black conservatives existed. I mean, it it was like, okay, we're real. And the thing <laughs> and the thing about you star and you you kinda shared you kinda shared the main points of your life, but I want to transition over into actually what's going on today because you can really speak to this more so than anything, and we may um, we may run in a few minutes into archives, but people will still be able to listen, hear everything of the interview. But I want you to address something, because you being a part of the media, um, appearing on Fox News, writing for um, sometimes writing for I believe WorldNet Daily. And, and yeah, I'm creators now. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. The news. No, you're, well, you're absolutely right. I, in a nutshell, in a limited amount of time, you're you're right. I'm on a mission, and the reason I'm on that mission is because we've been in cultural war. Three cultural wars have are destroying every major institution in our society. That war on religion that scrubbed our schools of any 
ideas of God, just scrub the Bible out of it. It was the same time 50 years ago that we had a war on marriage where we were convinced right. that women uh, didn't have to control their sexual impulses inside of a marriage, that we wanted freedom, if you will. We own ourselves, if you will, uh, and threw away right. all traditional norms and sent us into a culture of meaninglessness. And then that war on poverty that says, and if there are any natural consequences to these decisions you are now making outside of marriage, we now have safety nets. So we start paying people to have children out of marriage. And five years after King's death, we have Roe v. Wade as national law. Yeah, God saved me. He got me cleaned up. And he was so merciful and consistent to his scripture, so compassionate that if I gave, he would give to me. If I tithe, he would make meaning for my life financially. And I became what a lot of people are as a comfortable Christian. And one day he said, this is enough. you got to get up and join the cultural war. And I had got in the cultural war because I, the recklessness, the, the life pattern that he had saved me from, so many more were still in it. And I just needed them to have freedom. I had found freedom. I wanted them to be free. So I moved to Washington. I moved my business to Washington to remove governmental barriers, uh, the way we fight poverty. I want them out of the welfare state. Charity belongs to the church. It doesn't belong in Washington, D.C. Mm. Government is to protect our interests, not to plunder our interests, not to pursue yeah. us, to plunder our interests, to pay people to be irresponsible. So that's why I'm warring here in Washington. You're absolutely right. I run a think tank. Uh, urbancure.org, uh, we are, we, and our mission is very focused that we are going to make sure that people understand the answer to poverty is freedom and personal responsibility. It's not a welfare state. And we're going to help reverse those, the trends of those three cultural wars. You do know you just opened up a can of worms, right, in what you, <laughs> in what you just said right there, because it was you, and, and I am so proud, and Letitia has a question that leads right up to what she just said. You stood with a brave group of black pastors when that um, college, Baptist college dean invited a uh, lesbian bishop to speak at the commencement of their school. You held a, um, a press conference coming out against that. So what, what we want to uh, ask you about, and Letitia's going to follow up with your thoughts on pastors and the abortion issue. How do you, how do, how do we deal with the pastors? And I'm talking black pastors who basically have made the decision to bury their head in the sand when it comes to the issue of homosexuality and abortion within our community. Very gently, um, very grace, graciously, and very privately. Because what has happened with these pastors, in my opinion, and some think you're letting them off the hook. No, what has happened is they've been overwhelmed by these cultural wars that have been raging in our society, and they didn't even know they were occurring. And now they're raging, and it's very difficult to get ourselves from under it. Number one, abortion. You're asking about abortion. Well, abortion became national law in, uh, in 1973, and, yep. you know, 30, 30 years later, we were looking at the black community had annihilated 13 million. Now, 43 years later, the numbers are worse. So that means abortion touches absolutely every member of their church. That means that the first order of business now has to be reconciling the abortion in their own lives. I've had pastor after pastor after pastor have to confide that, my gosh, before God saved me, I aborted. I've had pastor wife after pastor wife after pastor wife say, my God, I had aborted. So until they themselves are healed. It's hard to ask them right. to get into the cultural war and help us heal others. So that's the first step. The second step, you say, on the homosexual marriage, the society collapsed a long time ago by forcing our children into government cesspools we call schools. When you turn your children over to a secular government to educate them, you have a different product at the end. They get church life on Monday and Wednesday, maybe, if they come to Bible study on Wednesday night. And then Monday through Friday, you send those children into a secular uh, environment and let them educate them with that worldview. So that has been happening over the last 50 years. So we have now three generations of young people who decide that they don't want to believe the Bible that way. And that's how then you end up with not just lesbian bishops. That woman that went down there to speak at American Baptist College was an American bishop lesbian married. She was married in the state of California to a lesbian, a lover who was produced out of the church uh, mm -hmm. as well. 
and, and our ministers, wow. uh, according to themselves, who then came and preached in a state for a Baptist college that marriage is, homosexual marriage is not even legal. These are the questions that are deep now in, in front of us, in front of that pastoral community, and, they, and things can't go on anymore like this. We're in that critical cross point, similar to the 1850s, when Abraham Lincoln had to look in Scripture and say, oh, my, Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. And he looked up and right. said, we can't do this anymore, guys. A house divided against itself can't stand We have to make a decision We're going to either be all slave or all free We can't be both anymore And that's where we are today We're in a cultural war that is now forcing the church To say are you going to be as an American people Biblical and free Or are you going to be secular and status Meaning that the state supplants the church It can't coexist Light and dark cannot stay in the same space at the same time You're going to be light or you're going to be dark those are the choices. So, yes, the pastoral world, oh, yeah, they need privacy. They need to understand mm. what time it is. They don't have much time to find out, but we need to now equip them. The same way that when our soldiers had to go to war against a new type of terrorist, they had to be equipped. They couldn't do war the same way we used to do war because the enemy doesn't play like that. There's no fairness in them. Mm-hmm. You can't have rules of engagement for war. So what we are at is at a point uh, similar to uh, Elijah when he felt alone. Those of us activists have been a long time. It says, where are my 7,000, Lord? I can't be alone. And we find our Elijah. Mm-hmm. We're at the place where we're finding Gideon's army. We're at the place where we have to go in the community and say, as Nehemiah had to say, do you see the state of affairs we're in? Are you going to help build and give them opportunities to say yes and amen? No, the church is ignorant in this. And they have to go through kindergarten, uh, uh, through through high school and college in very, very little time. You know why? Because homosexual marriage is at the Supreme Court. They argue it this month, and they make a decision in June. And right. in June, we will know what America we're going to be. If we're going to be biblical and free, then he's going to have mercy on us for a minute, and that means that we're going to be looking at riots because this group mm-hmm. of activists, the LGBTQs, don't take no lightly. So they will be rioting. They are, they're like two-year-old children that will terrorize a household just because you said no one time for one toy after you bought them the whole Toys R Us store. That's where we are. Or he's going to say, nope, time for the church to be the persecuted church. Go under. You've taken uh, enough time in this materialism, and i got some lessons to teach you the same way I had to do to my children of Israel years and years ago in that Bible that mm. you better dust off real quickly. Because if we have to go underground, do you understand what's at stake if they come up and say homosexual marriage is the law of the land? Every document in this society has to be rewritten. Every document yeah. in this city that I live in, everything at HUD, everything at HHS, everything at, uh, at, at labor, everything at every place, everything at the IRS, everything at Social Security, everything everywhere in society, everything at our foster system. Don't forget we have 500,000 kids there. Everything. Right. Because we define marriage traditionally. We have to now rewrite all of the law, every single area from education, including marriage certificates, burial certificates, birth certificates, because there are none of them are gender neutral. Nothing we've done in the history of this country is gender neutral. We understood in our founding what God said in Genesis, that I created the male and female, and for this cause a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will be one. That's how you generate a society that's healthy. And it's under attack. So, yeah, long answer to your short question, but the church, yeah, these pastors, I tell you, it's time for them to rally together very privately and, 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 and get on their face before God and, and, and come up soldiers, men ready for war, because that's what we're in. Go ahead, Leticia. Okay. Well, I, we were asking you on the show to tell us a little bit about your personal story. And really quick in the nutshell, I know that you do this a lot often, but, you know, how, how did you come from when you were young to this point here? And specifically, since this is True Life Fridays Radio specific, did abortion enable you to pursue the good life the pro-abortion advocates say you wouldn't be possible without a, with a baby in your life? Had I taken seriously that first pregnancy that um, that I had, um, would my life be different from it is today? Yes. Would I be mm-hmm. have made some of the same decisions that I've made as a result of that? Well, let's see what were some of those decisions. Aboard again, more drugs, more chaos, more reckless living, more um, uh, uh, um, you name it, and then end mm-hmm. up in just a disaster. 
Uh, could I have avoided disaster? Hindsight, they say, is 2020. Uh, is abortion a good idea regardless of what we think outcomes should be? Um, no, it's not. It's legal, but it's not lawful in God's eyes. And to get to the point where you're killing your offspring for your own economic or emotional well-being should be judged as sin in your life, and we should repent and make sure that we uh, um, uh, individually uh, get on God's page when it comes to what he calls his reward. As a nation, we must end abortion. The same way mm-hmm. that crime against humanity that we call slavery, that now everybody looks and says, oh, God, it was unthinkable. Well, that's where we are on the same question. Is this a crime against humanity? It's legal, but it's not lawful before God, and it's a crime against humanity. And as a society, we need to rid ourselves of this horrible, mm-hmm. horrible sin so that we can be healthy again. Um, my so are you saying no, – my... oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. I was no, saying, I was did, say my cha- did you, you... – know, My childhood was different, yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. So are you, saying, are you saying to us here that all the promises that – pro-abortion advocates have told you that you would have a good life, that you would um, be able to be successful, that you could not do things with the child in your life, that actually what resulted was was a spiraling into more of the same, not out of it, and not better. Some people uh, yeah, will say that, well, my life changed for the worse. Uh, others will, say, will try to convince themselves that, um, uh, no, actually, uh, I think back on my life, and, it, and it's challenging, but where would I be where I am today? I, you know, these are questions that are very personal and private to the individual who, who committed an act of abortion and or mm-hmm. was thinking about it and th- didn't do it and now looks at that kid every time they, you know, give you a headache and say, should I have had you? Uh, these are very intimate and personal questions, uh, and we don't know the answer. You can't go back in your life and say, what if I had taken this track instead? What we do know mm-hmm. is that it is a unique individual that God has blessed in that womb, that if we do not interrupt his process, can make some unique contributions. We have Beethoven uh, to look at as an example. We have Steve Jobs to look at as an example of people that were right. born in crises. Um, so, yes, I am saying that the, the, the left lies on this matter. Uh, those specific lies, uh, yeah, we can counter and we can go back and forth and debate about each one and decide who would have been happier here. And they can bring out people that say, well, now if I had a baby I was running around with right now, my life would be better. No, at the end of the day, the question is, is this humanity and are we interrupting it? At the end of the day, it's like we can, all of this fallacy and all of these discussions and all of this debate and all of this wandering is, um, gets us right down to the fundamental question. Is it, is it life? Mm-hmm. If it is, do we have a right to kill it? That's why I like, as I said earlier, this question that now we're on the offense. We're probably yes. on the offense to say, no, I want to ask you about that seven-pound baby. Because let's not forget Kermit Gosnell. Let's not let society just dismiss Kermit Gosnell, the late-term abortionist up in Philadelphia that was doing legal abortions, if you will, mm-hmm. being referred to from abortionists all over this country who not only allowed for the baby to be born, but then after it was born would mock the baby that it could run around to the bus stop and then snap its neck. Let's let's remember that he killed 16,000 babies in that clinic. Let's think about the the maiming, the murder, the molestation that's going on with these women. Let's think about how many of them are dying at the hand of these abortionists. Let's think about the secret sin that women are bearing all alone because because they went in, they got convinced by society there's nothing wrong with this, and then they leave out the back door empty. Now, we should be Mm -hmm. very, very motivated to end abortion uh, in our generation and make it not only illegal but unthinkable. Like right. the silent no more says. So, the, so much of the abortion advertising has been targeted to, to young women. What message do you have specifically for young women today? I know that you speak to you know everybody, and to try to lift people out of poverty without the aid of of government dependency. But what message do you have specifically for young women today in this situation, in their lives, growing up, so they don't have to experience? Um, and learn as you did. We want to save well, the the, um, the the one thing that someone told me early on in my Christian life, and I'm thankful to today that they told me this. I might not know till heaven who exactly it was uh, after getting saved. Is that God wrote 31 proverbs on purpose? Mm. There are 31 days, and He wrote 31 a month, and He wrote 31 proverbs. So get up and read a proverb a day, and they'll know how to live. You, that is the instruction on how to live, and. Um, uh, if you make mistakes, he gave us Jesus Christ. He, he gave us Jesus Christ so that we can get up the next day and start again. That moment, you can start again. He gave us, uh, he became the perpetuation for our sin, as the scripture says. But remember what James said, if we say we haven't sinned, well, it was actually John. 
then we deceive ourselves and we make him a lie. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So that's what I would tell a young person. Don't get to the point where you say you haven't sinned because you deceive yourself and you make God a liar. Are you really ready to look in God's face and say you're lying? Mm. But if you confess your sin, he's faithful, he's just, he'll forgive you, he'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness, number one. Number two, I would tell these young people, wait. There's nothing wrong with waiting. See, one of the things that we've done through the feminist movement is post, told women to postpone marriage. Do not marry at young age. But they can't postpone sexuality. The time clock for society is in a woman's body. Mm-hmm. So every month she's told that she is supposed to be sexually active so she can continue society. So why would you want her to postpone those urges? Why would you? Yeah, if women will wait and men will work, um, yeah, we, would, we could heal ourselves. Mm. Because marriage is the social stabilizer. Marriage between one woman, one man, who together build a life and put values, eternal truths inside of their offspring. So, yeah, I would just convince the young women of those two things. Read a proverb a day so you'll know how to live. And, um, and then wait. Just wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. And he will bless your life accordingly. Amen. Wow. I, can, I, I, can't, I can top that. Thomas? <laughs> wow, that's and see, Star, that's that's what um that's what really endears you to so many people despite um what you what you have dealt with, what you have faced from from the community, you know, you you're you're like you're like that person who have dug who has dug their feet in the sand, and you said, you know what, standing on the word of God, no matter what the enemy throws at you, start, you you stand firm. And, um, and you know, let, let me interject something here because I've got to run. And it's not only that. I'm not patting myself with that. It's because I, it, God is true and I'm a liar. I may stand firm, but I'm standing firm sometimes in rebellion myself. There's sometimes that I have to say, oh, my God, I can't believe I got tripped up in that one again. No, this is about life and death. This is about what the Lord said, I put before you choices. Here's what freedom means. Here's what makes us different from the animals. You've got life and good, death and evil, and I've given you the ability to choose. So we have to take that seriously. And if we're going to live a civil society, if we're going to be in the public square where our lives do touch, we want to be civilized to one another, then we have to take very seriously uh, public policy and public space. And um, and in a in a worldview that allows for man to live at peace. So yeah, I I take this very seriously. I ca- joke with my Catholic friends that I'm doing penitence, so I have a long call <laughs> uh, to get in <laughs> and then continue my work. But I've got to go, and 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 I really appreciate this opportunity. But yeah, I, we we all have a role to be faithful, and I'm glad that you guys are doing your role uh, to be faithful to get the message out there. Uh, because people need to know that freedom is available to them. And that freedom, at the end of the day, boils down to freedom to serve and bless our God. Amen. Thank you so much for coming on our program. I sure appreciated your time. And please, come back again. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Star. God bless you. God bless. And and, and I think Star is absolutely right. I think we when our society is redefining everything, it's hard to get uh it's hard to get a message across now. It's getting harder. It is getting harder to talk about things uh where everybody agrees on what you're talking about. Well, she hit she hit the point. She hit the she hit the nail on the head. Point blank. I mean she always she always does, but that was just that was just so that was so on point, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just at a loss of words because what she says is true. And until we truly embrace the freedom that only comes from knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we'll continue to be in a place that, um, a place that is of destruction. And one of the things, Letitia, that we have to do in the spirit realm, we have to 
we have to draw the line in the sand. We have to say, you know, we have to say, regardless of what the Supreme Court says, we will not bow our knees to the prophet of Baal. Regardless right. of what the Supreme Court says. Right. So, um, we so, are going to get into, yeah, we are going to get into a lot of the, the rubber meets the road issues on things like the implication with gay marriage. Now, as for a, a topic for True Life Fridays Radio, we have to deal with it in a very special way. We're not going to talk about it in its full uh, legal and uh, ethical grounding because we don't have time for that on our show but we're going to take a slice of what's happened with christian business owners being told that they will be prosecuted or they will lose their businesses or they will be uh taken to court in a lawsuit for refusing the requests of the uh, of gay couples uh specifically in the instance of marriage and weddings we're going to talk about a slice of that that is relevant to True Life Fridays, uh, and there is one. So if you're listening, uh, we're going to talk about that. You might want to listen in on Friday because that's going to be awesome. You're going to listen to uh, – you're going to get to hear an aspect to this controversy that has not been talked about as much as I would like it to be. Everything has been centered around the legal thing. Um, let's talk about the ethical thing. Right. Amen. All righty, Miss Letitia, once again, you have been listening to a very special broadcast of True Life Fridays Radio. And I'm going to play a very special song to take us out. And it just it just brings us a reminder of just exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us and the compassion that we show or that we have received from him. So with that being said, Patricia, once again, you rock it, you knock it out of the park. (laughs) You're not so shabby yourself, Thomas. Yeah, well, you're the brains behind the madness, so. Oh, we all got some brains here. We're all going to use them. Amen. Mary, I love Pastor Paul. 
God bless.